Hi everyone, welcome to Zoomies, your dog podcast. I'm Adriana Milne, a local dog trainer, and thank you for joining me this afternoon on Radio Karen. So today we're going to start a live chat in regards um, trying to see how what you do on the weekends. Where do you take your dog on outings on the weekends? Some of the places that I normally take my dog is, uh, I love the Mornington Peninsula. Before I had my dog, I used to go regularly to the wineries, sometimes for lunches, sometimes just for walkabout and dropping by, by for a wine tasting. So um, there is a local walk in Mornington Peninsula that is my favorite one. It is the equestrian trial. And normally I stop my car at the Merrick's General Store, very close to the Merrick's Pony Club and the winery Stoniers. So at the back of Stoniers Winery, there is a lovely beginning of the track and the equestrian trial starts. Sometimes you might share your walk in with your dog with horses. So because it is a shared equestrian trial, just make sure that you've got your dogs on the leash, okay? So if you are very fit, you're going to do very well because there are seven Ks going up towards Red Hill and you can have in Red Hill so many choices of places for a nice bite. And um, if you like uh, a nice, really feed, you've got the Epicure restaurant and you can have tables outside where you could still have your dog uh, joining with you. So after you have a browsing Red Hill and you're ready to come down and then you just hit the trial again, another seven Ks down. But you're going to go past lovely winery sceneries, farms and like, uh, you know, paddocksy horses. So it is a very cool walk. So get ready your tennis shoe, take a little backpack with all the things your dog might need for the day, a water bowl, uh, water, a little mat for the pup to set, settle when you stop, and a little snacky for yourself, your partner, and the dog, okay, to give energy boost. So um, other thing today I wanted to talk is um, a doggy chat continuing the section about dog of leash parks. So um, I wanted to talk about what are the dogs that are not a good candidate to come to an off-leash park. So we've got here nearby our radio care on the right door reserve. So dogs that are reactive to other dogs should not come. Dogs that display dog-to-dog aggression. So um, recently, very recently, there is a Facebook page about the dog uh, park here, the right door reserve, and they has been mentioning that some dogs are turning up with muzzles. So that's a typical scenario of dogs sh- shouldn't be at this park because if they have problems of other dogs, what are they doing there? Um, if you got a basket muzzle and a dog has a go at another dog, this muzzle can actually break. Fr- they they can break the the basket muzzle and still reach the other dog. And obviously, this dog hasn't been properly socialized, and the park is not the first place you like to do that. You're gonna have probably to work with a trainer on a one-on-one try to address the issues that this dog has and why it got this way to this point and work on a one-on-one, okay? So at the level the dog can see dogs on a positive light and definitely just not drop a dog on a park, you're going to spoil for everybody else involved there, okay? So other thing is that some of the dog businesses, the walking business with the big vans have been coming by and bringing groups of dogs because the Kingston Council hasn't stipulated how many dogs each handler, which dog walker needs to have. So because Bayside Council has a, a limit of four per handler, so a lot of the vans are coming, parking in dogs of leash parks with uh, no restrictions, and they just drop 
them all. And due to that, there's a lot of dog poop being left behind. So guys, if you're out there, please pick it up after your dog and look after everybody else. Because if the poos are left behind, you know, like um, and your dog hasn't been properly warm, the little eggs or the worms on the grass uh, can quick spread and contaminate other dogs. So let's look after each other, okay? So um, other thing about the parks is when moms come with uh, kids, little kids like toddlers or baby pushers. So I don't recommend uh, little kids coming and um, moms with baby pushers because if you got a a large pack of dogs out there, a big group, these dogs are going to be so aroused and playing rough. And if you got little toddlers, they can come towards the kids and just put them down like you know they get excited and can run through them or even jump on them and you don't want your kid to be scared of dogs in the future and the same for baby pushers like if the group of four or five playing rough they can just bump on a baby pusher in an accident so please just be play safe like even councils don't allow um in kids playgrounds dogs nearby so why would you do that why would you bring the kids towers a dog of leash area when they're very little okay so it's just safety aspects um so talking still a bit about my interaction with dogs and how everything started in my life i mentioned before on the first episode that i come from a family a brazilian family who had um dog breeding business uh, and my uncle, Paulo Roberto Ibanez, because we come from a Spanish side, a Brazilian but Spanish descendancy, he um, had gorgeous Cocker Spaniels. And uh, all the pups, when they were born, uh, on the leaders, they had Spanish names because uh, the kennel was called Navarra. That's a region of Spain. So all the little Cocker Spaniels that were born were Spanish names like Lolita, Pencho, Manolo, Pepe, Conchita. So it was very nice. Um, he actually used to take to the shows and he we actually won so many dog shows that he got invited by the kennel club of brazil to become a judge and so he started even traveling south america judging you know dog shows around south america sometimes used to get dogs imported from other countries and brought to us some were friendly some other a bit shy at first and so there were quite a few dogs i really was raised about probably 12 Cocker Spaniels in my home. So the backyard was huge and I used to run riot with them. Uh, I was a kid, you know, <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. And a lot of times we used to pack them and take them to the shows. So um, in Brazil, those days in the 60s, you know, it was another world. Um, there were no dog off leash parks. The dogs would walk on the leash and train for the show ring. But it was very important to bring these pups early days to the show so they could get used to the environment because if they're going to be showing in the future, that was a scenario they have to get used from as a pup. And, you know, they had the categories of you know, pup and then the junior age. And it was a very funny thing because as a kid, I had a, a stuffed <laughs> Cocker Spaniel toy and I used to drag the thing on the leash up and down the place. And it was hilarious because you think of a child like six years of age with a little fluffy Cocker Spaniel toy, Cocker Spaniel on a leash, a stuffed toy dragging along people from the show world. They are very posh people. So it was very bizarre, but hilarious. (laughs) Okay, so now going back to um, some of the aspects that we're talking as well about life experiences to expose our dogs to. So um, I want to go and say it is important to expose to objects uh, at a very young age. So some of the things on the home environment that you like your young dog to be exposed, like telephone rings, the doorbell, 
when people come to press the doorbell to visit you and to visitors at the home. Because if you don't do this part later on, they could react, you know, they're not used to have this noise at the door, they're gonna sometimes turn to the guarding behavior instinct, a bit territorial, who is coming, who is coming, I'm protecting my home, and bark. So you really need to put quite a bit of work on this and have friends coming over for dinner for a little coffee and cake, you know, say hello to your dog casually. So they just use people coming in and out. Loud television. Loud television sometimes can have all the dogs barking or the animals making noise. So it's good to introduce your dog to these things pretty early. Loud music. I don't know how many people may live in your house, but sometimes loud music can provoke uh, a bit of reaction from them, you know, according to the height, the the sound pitch. Uh, The hair dryer, because don't forget, they will be groomed. Uh, And then the hair dryer will be used by the groomer. So it's a good chance when you start drying your own hair, expose the dog put on the low volume, and gently expose your dog to this sort of uh, sounds, okay? The vacuum cleaner is a big one. Uh, A lot of dogs don't like it or try to chase and to nip at the nozzle. So just let it come, have a little sniff, and uh, can have on the lead. One person has the dog on the lead, the other works on just putting on the low volume. The vacuum cleaner, keep a bit of distance, reward calm behavior, and start moving very slowly, okay? And just increase the, the strength of the vacuum cleaner if your dog is doing well and can cope with it. Don't do the mistake of chasing the dog with the vacuum cleaner. If the dog is showing signs that he's not relaxed about, turn it off and work on desensitizing bit by bit. Brooms, <laughs> a lot of them try to chase and bite the brooms. So the similar concept applies that I said to you, and such as mops, the kettle, some, some kettles whistle, you know, high-pitched sound, and it can provoke some reaction. The dishwasher, because apart from washing the dishes, there's uh, some vibration, and same goes for washing machine. So I'll let the dog on time, it, gentle exposure, desensitizing, reward calm, and if the dog is a bit scared, turn it off and move the dog away and not live for another day and start slowly, Okay. So um, we are going to go for a short break now, and we'll be right back after the station announcements. And you are listening to Radio Karen. Hi, I'm Dr. Floyd Gomes, uh, a.k.a. Atticus Health with Dr. Floyd, you might recall, and it's great to be here at Radio Karam. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Zoomies, your dog podcast on Radio Karam. I'm Adriana Milne. So I'm going to do a little review of the pet show that just took place last weekend at the Melbourne Showgrounds. It was an awesome event, very well organized, and we had the pleasure to do a talk on the Dogtown Arena about how to prevent dogs' separation anxiety. We had a very good turnout, lots of questions and answers at the end, and um, we actually took a photo with Katrina Warren, our celebrity vet from the Wonder Dogs. So it was such a, a lovely uh, opportunity for us just to participate. There were actually two pavilions that were used, one for all things about dogs and cats, and there were dog displays at the main arena, uh, lots of educational talks. We had our colleague, Kate Mormont. She's an uh, animal applied behaviorist. She was doing a lot of talks about cats. 
Um, and then we had another pavilion that was just uh, concentrating and specializing fish, rabbits, reptiles, and birds. And there, were, um, uh, there was an aquarium where fish were taught by an animal trainer how to play soccer. Can you believe it? So <laughs> there were two gold posts on this fish tank, and the fish were taught to target. Target is when they touch with the nose an object. So these fish were tar targeting the soccer ball, a black and white little soccer ball, and they were nudging it towards the gulp, you know, so one of the goal sides. So it was a very fantastic thing to see because I love soccer. I'm Brazilian, and you can imagine, but fish playing soccer, that was a first for me. So um, other thing that's coming up uh, that is going to start now from the 10th of April uh, is the renewal of the animal registrations on the Kingston area. Kingston Council uh, just had the last uh, the pet expo over the weekend as well on the 1st of April and they are the renewals coming up now. So if you got, you'll probably receive a letter in your post that the renewals of dogs and cats are due about now. So don't forget because it's important to register your pet with the council, something everybody should do. And um, it is a compulsory to dissex your dog at 12 weeks of age. It's a bit young, but, you know, unless you've got a letter from your local veterinarian saying that you should wait until longer or your dog is registered with Dogs Victoria, you might delay until probably about six months. Okay, so uh, now we're going to have another radio announcement, okay? And it'll be with you very shortly. You're listening to Radio Karen. If you feel the Karen way, just call Mitchell Tall. Or in Patterson Lakes, just call Mitchell Tall. Anywhere Bayside, just call Mitchell Tall. Buy a summer house, just call Mitchell Tall. Mitchell Tall. Real estate. Oh yeah, little real estate. We want more. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Zoomies, your dog podcast on Radio Karen. Now we'll be sharing with you some dog training tips. So how do you get your dog ready to go for the daily walks? Very uh, recommended to use a little put a little bag, a treat pouch in your waist. I always have one by my door and uh, for the day I get some high reward treats organized, put in a plastic bag and on the fridge. In the case of my dog, she has the Prime 100 turkey and flaxseed roll. And when I spread the meal portions for the day in the morning, I put a little pouch on the fridge. So when it's time to walk, it's all ready to go. I get the little sandwich bag, put it straight on my doggy pouch and uh, ready to go, put the dog lead and we are off. In her case, I actually uh, try to stretch her back a bit in the backyard, you know, giving a bit of a free run for her before all these things are actually done because uh, she just does much better with her run first on the backyard and then I do this procedure that I said. <laughs> um, ask please your dog to sit before attaching the dog lead to its collar. Try to get your dog calm before going for a walk. So instead of arousing too much and saying, walkie, everybody, and go nuts, and you know, you go nuts, the dog go nuts, actually, ideally, do the opposite. Try to get a dog calm. Because otherwise, you approach the front door, and you're going to have a mad dash uh, lunging ahead. And you don't want that. You want a little pause, a sit and wait, 
let's go, nice and calm, okay? Because the pulling actually starts over arousal when the dog sees the dog leash, approaches the dog, and already just rush through the door, and that's the pull, pulling on the lead from the inside of the house that you don't want. So if jumping starts at the side of the lead, ask a seat, say good girl, good boy, give a gentle reward, okay? Re- keep rewarding calm behavior. If the dog stop biting on the lead, get his attention on something else. Don't let the dog get away biting the lead. Going for a walk is not to be a game. You don't want to become a bad habit, this biting on the lead. So while the dog is sitting at the door, gently open it, uh, say wait, and just proceed. So then when you go the, the driveway, just try to get your line, like try to see the direction you're going to go, and you just call your dog name and just point this way, okay? Because otherwise your dog gets at the end of the driveway and start cutting you front, back, and center, and already pulling you towards the whatever might be in front of him. So try to get a, like a line, pick your line, just saying this way, thanks, and reward uh, the dog walking beside your leg. Okay, so this is very important, these manners to be practiced on a regular basis, otherwise they start getting away with bad behavior. And during the walk, you lead the walk, not your dog. So don't roll the lead around your wrist, because if the dog gets excited and pulls towards something, you know, you can get a big tug on your wrist and it can hurt. So call your dog name from time to time, and when he looks at you, you say a verbal bridge like yes, and then follow with a treat reward. Try to walk the dog on one of the sides. You know, when they get used to, to be walked uh, on one side, they tend to default to their side automatically. Ideally, be on the left-hand side, but depends if you're right-handed, left-handed, okay? The initial sniff at things is okay, but if the dog starts sniffing all the time and pulling towards plants or whatever else may be, just try to redirect your dog to you and never pull or tug on the dog lead. Otherwise, you teach your dog to pull. He'll learn from you, and that's not what you want. So dog pulls on the lead, towers plants and bushes, call his name, he looks at you, redirect him with an empty hand back to you, and then you restart your walk. So try to get your dog to really enjoy the walk. Change the route from time to time, take him to different places so he can experience different environments and surroundings. Don't let your dog play on the lead with other dog. Reason why is on the lead you want calm and relaxed, polite meets and greets. If your dog learns to play on the lead with the dog, every dog he sees out there on the street, he'll try to lunge and play. And on the lead, they really want attention and focus on you. Dogs um, to play is off leash, so they can't just play the normal behaviors, you know, like circling, the play bells, that sort of thing, when obviously they're socialized and friendly dogs. On the lead, you gently say, okay, say hello now, okay? So nice and calm, never lunging at another dog's face. Because if you let this happen one day, they're likely to meet a dog that's not friendly. And then the dog get jumped in the face and it's just gonna react, have a go at your dog. And then it could become a situation that your dog get a big spook and a fright, you know, and becomes a bad association seeing dogs out there, what you do not want. So the, the practice of this um, is very important on a regular basis. So if you've got high value treats on you, you can just get that seat, look at me, and then, okay, say hello now. Yeah, reward count. So other thing that I was gonna say is when you've go, you're teaching a new behavior to your dog, we've got actually six steps for teaching a new behavior. We try to get the behavior, we mark the behavior with what you call a bridge. For example, 
teaching a dog to sit. When the dog bottom touches the ground, you could use a verbal bridge such as yes, and then you give a dog a treat reward, okay? You reward this behavior, and then you repeat the behavior until it happens easily at least about 90% of the time. Then you add the verbal cue as the dog does the behavior and associate the word with the appropriate response. So you use the verbal cue to elicit the behavior. So um, what a, a verbal bridge you can have, like a, I normally use to my yip. Some people say, yes, is that precise moment the dog does the behavior? As I said, the, the seat, the dog bottom touches the ground, and then you pair it with a reward reinforcer. So I use a lot of hand signals in my dog as well, and uh, this visual cue uh, helps guide her when she's outside in the presence of distractions out there. So um, we got another segment called, that I did the last two weeks, the profile, the dog profile. So I wanted to talk actually about two little dog profiles today, the two breeds that I'm very fond of, one particular very, very found. I nearly got this breed instead of an uh, English Cocker Spaniel. I was a bit in doubt, but in the end, the English Cocker Spaniel, you know, from my family background, won. The one I'm talking now is the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. I find these absolutely adorable dogs. They are great family dogs. They are much more petite size than the English Cocker Spaniel. The colors of the King Charles Spaniel are black and tan. The Prince Charles is the tricolor. And the ruby color is that caramel color, solid red sometimes with few white hairs. The blenheim is white with red markings. They've got a lovely temperament, very loving and affectionate, playful, sometimes a little bit timid. They can be quiet, but they are non-demanding. They need to be treated very gently and needs to be around people. They are lap dogs. They absolutely love people. They are mostly a companion dog. Some can be a little bit picky eaters, okay? In regards to health problems, um, just to mention, uh, sleep stifle, eye problems or ear infections, ears and e eyes and ears should be cleaned regularly. Check the ears as well, uh, because when you know they're close to water, they can just keep the moisture and it takes some time to dry. So they should really be cleaned regularly, the ears. A short face braid and may weasel and snore a little bit and may have a bit of trouble breathing in hot weather. So much more advisable if you can walk your Cavalier King Charles uh, when it's early in the day, not on the peak hot heat of the day and uh, probably at the end of the day. Exercise them daily and they do thrive having some off-leash play. Life expectancy around 15 years, and the coat is short hair. Uh, please do brush it uh, every week, a few times, and the long coat, brush it daily to avoid any tangles. They are average shedders. The origin, primarily developed in the British Isles, and it became a darling of the British royalty. So a lot of the times you can see um, monarchy, royal English family, um, with a, a lot of photographs showing the King Charles Spaniel and the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. So this breed is from the toy group. And then you've got a very popular one in Australia that is your Staffordshire Terrier, the Staffy. <laughs> so many clients have Staffies. Um, more gentlemen, I think, than the females, but they're very, very, very popular here. So they are from the Terrier group. Temperament of the Steffi, very happy, outgoing, and a confident dog. 
gentle and loving towards people. They are good-natured, amusing, can be very funny, got a real funny personality, extremely loyal and affectionate, intelligent and very full of life, courageous and a persistent fighter if provoked, can be very protective of the owner and its property, and this breed has a very high tolerance for pain. Very important to socialize little Steffi puppies young because they could become dog aggressive if that doesn't happen in the early age. Socialize them very thoroughly and to curve any aggressive tendencies. When properly trained and socialized, the Steffi makes a great family companion. This breed is not for the passive owner who doesn't understand that the dogs have an instinct to have... um, well, they, they test you out. I would say the staffies can test you out. You know, if they can get away with something, well, they will try. Health problems. Generally a very healthy breed, but some may be prone to hip dysplasia and hereditary cataracts and congenital heart disease. So don't forget, because they have quite a bit of energy there, they've got a lot of muscle on the, you know, on the front, on the chest, and they can hit quite often. So the staff is doing play, if you're in the park or playing ball with them, they arouse very quickly because the amount of muscle that they've got, especially on the front, uh, brings a lot of heat. So it's good to do play and settling during playful times with them so they can calm down a little bit and have a bit of a pause. And that prevents injury as well. Life expectancy around 9 to 15 years. And grooming. The smooth, short hair cold is easy to groom. Brush on a regular basis with a firm bristle brush. A rub with a piece of toweling will make the coat gleam after a bath. Average shadows as well. So the origin of the English Staffordshire Terrier. In the 19th century, in the English region of Staffordshire, the crossing among the bulldog and various terriers developed the Staffy of today. Brought into the USA, the breed was preferred by the American breeders, who increased its weight and gave it a more powerful head. Now recognized as a separate breed, so the, you've got the English, American, uh, the English and the American Staffies, okay? Because the American Staffy is much larger and heavier than the British one. Some of the talents that the Staffordshire Terrier has. They are watchdogs, guarding, police work, weight pulling, and agility. So um, they can be a little bit suki dogs, but be very um, aware that you need to you know, teach uh, prevention of separation anxiety because if they can be very clingy and put that little crying noise that you think, oh, I can't leave the dog because he's crying, he's fretting. So just try to do the exercise of prevention of separation anxiety, and I'll be talking some more about this on the following program next week. Okay? So uh, I think we came to the end of the show today, and um, I have to say thank you for listening to our podcast, Zoomies. And um, you can send us via the station um, email address that is info at radiocaron.org some ideas on topics that you like us to cover here and then any other ideas suggestions you may have and i will take it on board and then i'll develop on the next program segments so see you next time bye and have an awesome week with your dogs (laughs) 